You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to Tech Fan Podcast 248. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm Debbie Cohen. This is uh, two days in a row podcasting for me. Yeah, what were mm-hmm. you doing yesterday? I did. Um, wait, let, let's back up. You know, I was doing. Uh, well, maybe you don't know. I did a live tweet during the Apple event on Monday of this week. I, I didn't know that. Though. Yeah, I was tweeting like crazy, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was fun, and probably you know maybe I was getting like, a lot of retweets. I was trying to be a little bit funny. And uh, Alyssa Paselli sent me a message on Twitter and said, hey, do you want to come on Three Geeky Ladies and talk about the event? I said, sure. So that was yesterday. So I recorded um, Three Geeky Ladies number 79, episode 79, which isn't out yet. In fact, this show we're recording a day later will come out a couple days probably before that episode will. (laughs) Right. But... Yeah, so if anybody wants to hear me, I'm I'm going to be on that episode of Three Geeky Ladies as well. And I'll tweet it out and Facebook it out as well. So any listener that's following us on Twitter or on Facebook or what have you, you'll hear about it. So it was fun, though. I, I like talking to all three of them. Cool. Um, you know, it, it, it was a wide-ranging conversation. It wasn't so just it wasn't, about the Apple event. Okay, okay. But let, cool. let's start there here on TechFan, David. Um, did you watch it live, or did you just, you know, well, the uh, read the highlights? Because, well, because um, obviously I knew it was happening. Normally what happens when there's an Apple event, because of the time difference between here in the States, uh, here in California particularly, um, I'm normally just coming home from work when that thing happens. So I normally sit down and get my iPad out and kind of either watch a live stream or something like that. But I, I, I forgot that at the moment... Um, because you've already switched daylight savings time and we haven't yet it was actually an hour ahead so i started seeing news about it before i actually left work so i kind of you know i was trying to finish what i was doing and still had one eye on what was going on but i i, I wasn't able really to follow it as much as as well as i might have liked because i was still working but you are up to date on it all now uh yes yeah, yeah. so what do you think Any, anything jump out at you well, one thing that jumped out at me is that there was no surprises because, uh, you know, they, the whole thing had been pretty heavily leaked beforehand. Yeah, Apple Apple should change our logo from an apple to a piece of uh, Swiss cheese, I think, yeah. at this point. Um, there's just no surprises. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or I, Personally, I'm indifferent. I don't really care. Well, I, I tried to avoid a lot of the speculation beforehand just to... You know, so it's not so much of a so you get more of a surprise. But I, I obviously completely failed this time because, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see anything I wasn't expecting. Um, but having said that, I think it's fair to say this is this was a pretty small event in in kind of Apple terms. This wasn't like a big September iPhone launch. Um, I guess it was in some respects it was kind of disappointing not see anything on laptops but um maybe they're just going to slip that out at some point over the next few weeks i don't know i think that's exactly what they're going to do yeah. the mac is not as important to apple anymore and it seems like whenever they release a new mac there's no press event for it i i excuse me oh that's better um i guess they probably won't do a press event for Macs unless they change the design 
Uh, I mean, in terms of changing the internals, it's you know kind of what what have you got to say? Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of have to change the whole widget to really make it worth doing a press event. I guess if they, if it's just oh you know here's here's the, new, the MacBook and it's faster than it was last year. I mean it doesn't really make for a great stage event, does it? So I it's kind of like the iPhone. Uh, oh, I don't know uh se and the ipad pro with a nine and a half or nine point seven inch screen well actually as i was saying that i've kind of figured that <laughs> that's a valid criticism to raise uh, the ipad i i understand why they want an event for that because they are trying to kickstart the ipad again and um so they want buzz around it um i the iphone se is is kind of strange in that you know, yes, as you say, they've basically taken the iPhone 5S and they've stuffed iPhone 6 guts into it. Um, even I think a lot of people were expecting to see a, a slightly different case design. It's effectively exactly the same. Yeah, you could put the two side by side, and you would be hard pressed to. Yeah, they, they they were already selling the 5S still, so they basically said, "Oh, we're not selling the 5S anymore. Now it's called the uh, iPhone SE." And oh yeah, by the way, we just basically took uh, the the cheapest iPhone six and stuffed its guts in there. And oh yeah, by the way, sixteen gigs. Well, sixteen gigs is still an issue. But you know what? I this is interesting for me. A few, a few weeks ago, as you recall, I, I went to Florida and <laughs> I was laughing about this with my wife the other night. I took a spare iPhone with me because I didn't want to have my six S stolen. And of course, I came back and the kind of three days after i came back i had my 6s stolen here but um yeah i normally when i travel i take a spare phone with me and so i had a 16 gig 5s and i took that with me and i used that for a week at a week to 10 days and you know what it really wasn't remotely terrible the 5s design is still a great design and there is this thing and you notice it when you go from a larger phone back to the 5s is that it does fit far more easily in your hand it's much easier to use than a, than a success or anything bigger. And so I, I think there is something to the fact that, you know, there's been a clamor for four-inch phones. And in some respects, I think what Apple have done is relatively smart here because rather than just sell a two-, three-year-old design at a knockdown price, they're selling effectively a new phone at knockdown price because they've replaced the internals and yet they're keeping the, the same exterior case design. Um, so they've not had to retool the cases at all. Um, they've just had to do some motherboard changes and stuff internally. They, obviously, they're using the same screens, and yet they're delivering quite a lot of value to a consumer who who is either price sensitive or is or is size sensitive. And I think that is actually a fairly canny move. You can now go into the Apple Store and you can pick up a, a phone that that's got the latest specs on it. Yes, it's missing a couple of features, but it's got the latest specs on it for you know pretty cheap money for an iPhone. Yeah, four hundred dollars. Yeah, that, I mean that's 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 quite a discount over a six S, and uh, I can see that swaying a lot of people. Really, really can. I don't think people were buying the five S previously because of the price difference. I think they were buying it because they wanted the smaller phone. My wife doesn't want the the six S. Yeah. Um, and she never really held a six, so I, I don't know if she'd want that over the. SE or not, but I have a huge problem with a four hundred dollars is not affordable. It's still expensive. It really is. And secondly, sixteen gigabytes. 
Well, as that's I say, unacceptable I, in 2016. Well, you know what? I understand where you're coming from on that, but I actually did, as I said, I used a 16 gigabyte phone for for 10 days, and it wasn't terrible. You just have that's to not a winning endorsement. Well, I, David. I know, it, I know, it's not. I'm not. I'm, don't get me wrong. I, I would much rather see 32 gig on these phones. I'm, I really, completely, nothing agree with you for a variety of reasons. But what I'm saying is that it's very easy when you're used to having a big phone to say, oh, 16 gigs. That's you know, that's that's kind of like third world conditions. That's absolutely appalling. If you're careful with what you do with it, it's perfectly manageable. I'm not saying it's ideal. I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's right. It was three and a half years ago or so that Apple came under fire because people couldn't update their phones over the air as Apple was suggesting and pushing people to do because they didn't have enough storage space because they had 16 gigabyte iPhones. And And they're still selling them. It, yeah, there's there's no excuse for them to sell well, the, a 16 the gig. Excuse, the, um, the excuse that Apple would give you is that problem has been solved. There was no problem with people updating to iOS 9 because they've changed the operating system to make that a non-issue. So Apple would turn around and say, well, hang on a minute. Well, that was a problem. Well, we fixed it in software. We didn't need to change the hardware. Um, I, we all know that the, the entry-level device is there to try and get you to upgrade to the next one up. That's what it's there for. It is in some respects, a money grab. But uh, I think the difference is, in today's environment, to say that a 16-gig phone is unusable is unfair. It's not great at all, but it's not unusable by any stretch of the imagination. $400, 16-gigabyte phone. Yeah, but you know what? It's, you it's unacceptable. Spend, it's unac- goes- as much money as Apple makes and as much as they want to play this, we're a premium brand, we have a better product, blah, 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 to screw people over with a 16 gigabyte iPhone in 2016 is unacceptable. They they should be ashamed of themselves. Have you bought a BMW recently? Go go into a BMW dealership and say, "What's the entry level BMW 3 Series?" And then look at what you get with that as standard equipment. You'll immediately go, "Well, this sucks. This is a premium car. This is." $10,000 more than the top-end Honda or something like that, and it still doesn't have basic features. I would expect to bundle you a standard. So BMW what your point go, is, is yeah, if so BMW you need, you can screw people over, why not Apple? Oh, BMW screws people over with their luxury brand, so Apple should be able to allow. It's, it's perfectly acceptable for another company to screw their customers over, too. Because, look, BMW is doing not, it. I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm saying this is the way at the upper end of the market things often operate. Well, that's fine. That's fine. And this is how I criticize them. It sucks, and they sh- they should be shamed for this. There's no reason that Apple should release a brand new phone with 16 gigabytes in 2016. No reason at all. It's unacceptable. It's screwing people over. I don't uh, it's dis- an unsuspecting public, a buyer that's going to buy a 16 gigabyte iPhone I, for four hundred dollars. Well, look, I mean, you're conflating two different things there. You're conflating the price with how much memory you get in the phone. Right, four hundred dollars for, or or five hundred dollars for thirty-two or what, sixty-four gigs. Yeah, but that sort of money, if you compare that to what you spend on a top-end Android phone, I don't think that's expensive. Sorry, you'll spend a lot. You go out and buy a Samsung Galaxy S, whatever this this week is. You'll spend a lot more money for an equivalent unlocked phone, a lot more. And you'll find a lot of those only have eight or sixteen gig as well. Now. To, to uh, Android's credit, a lot of those phones you can slap an SD card in. That's exactly but the, the right. Samsung, the Samsung phones, for instance, 
have removed the feature that allows you to uh, use the SD card for anything other than music or video. They used to have a feature in there where you could actually make it a, appear as part of the storage system of the entire phone. It all looked like one blob, and you could uh, deploy apps to it and everything, and it just looked like you had more space on the phone. They took this out with the with the latest um, Android phone. So you know, this is not this is not um, I'm not excusing it, but it's not unusual in the industry, and I actually still still maintain that. Even at 16 gigabytes, an iPhone SE at $400 is, compared to what else is available in the market, quite a good deal. Mm. And it's not unusable. Mm. I'm not and, happy about it. it it's, oh, well, I'd when, rather see, don't get me wrong, I'd rather see 32 gig on it. I would, really would. But the thing is, if you, I, I'm, I'm just not going to shrug cool. my shoulders and go, eh, it's the industry. No, I'm, I'm tired of companies that are screwing people over. On something like this, how much money do you think it would cost Apple to put 32 gigs instead of 16 in there? Uh, May, at, at the at the price points that they get flash RAM or flash ROMs or, or flash memory, it would probably cost them at the most 10 bucks per phone. So that then you add that through the channel, and then you're probably looking at another twenty thirty dollars on the price of the phone. And, that, it, and that's, it, that's that's a price point that Apple doesn't feel they want to they want to hit. No, it would. They, they could. They, they could keep they it at the same price, and their their margins would go down, hardly any at all. And yeah, with the amount of money that they already make, the, yeah, we'll just we'll just screw the customer over with this. Very, That's good very, enough for them. I'm I'm sure the business answer would be that the margin, the overall margin, is very very sensitive. No, and not with Apple products. Come iPhone, on, and the iPhone margin bolsters other products in their lines where they don't make as good a margin on. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not weeping for Apple like they're on, they're on the brink of, um, of financial ruin here. Obviously, they're not. They're not. But the problem is, it's very easy to say, "Oh, Apple's the biggest company in the world. They could do this and and do that and do that and do." I hear this all the time. People going, "Apple could just do this. They've got all this money. They could do that. They've got all this money." Yeah. The problem is, is that they make the choices they make, and really, the problem is, no matter how. How much pundits like us sit here and say they could do this, they could do that. Ultimately, they know internally what decisions they can and can't make. I, I, I have a very strong suspicion that, as I say, the 16 gig is a leading model. It's designed to start you thinking about the brand, the brand but the, the 64 gig is the one they want to drive you to. Uh, and effectively, once they've, the 16 gig brings you in the store. Once you're in the store, then it's the salesman's job to try and get you by the 64 gig because that's going to be a better experience for you. But you know what? That is that is marketing. That is how people sell things, unfortunately. Yeah, that is true. I still think Apple's screwing people over with a 16 gig iPhone in 2016, and I, I'm not going to excuse this decision at all. I think it's horrible. I think it's a horrible customer experience that they're – and they're disingenuous <laughs> with their marketing. Tim, over 10 years ago, when I first started buying Macs, I remember people said exactly the same thing about the Macs you would buy. What, the Mac Mini only comes with 256 uh, megabytes of memory? You really need 512. And, oh, and by the way, don't buy it from Apple because they'll screw you for it. This has been Apple for 20, 30 years. Yep. Uh, heck, the, the original Macintosh came without enough memory in it. That's right. But the difference yeah. is with the Macs, or at least leading up until now, you could put more in it. You could get the entry level and make it a better machine. You can't do that with iPhones. You can't do that with any phone, really. You can. You, I mean, you know, the difference is rather than buying buying the um, memory and putting it in yourself, you have to pay up front and buy the better phone. You, all, the, all it's doing is, is changing the changing the 
calendar date you make that decision uh, and of course if you've bought the 16 gig phone you find it's too it's too small for you then all it does is mean the next time you go and buy one there are very few people who buy a 16 gig phone from from apple yeah and spend a year with it or two years on contract grating against the uh the the small memory they have and then go oh well, because because i i bought such a, a small phone i'm not going to buy another apple phone i'm going to go to android most of them go oh I, I wish i hadn't bought another small phone next time i'm going to get the 64 gig one so the problem is that there's no incentive for apple to change this because it it obviously works they've been at this for years and it works i'm not saying it's right but it works yeah i'm not arguing the fact that it works i'm yeah. i'm arguing the fact that it's not acceptable to me and i think it's bs and i think apple should be ashamed of it Instead of being proud of screwing people over, luring uh, them in with a cheaper price for a a 16 gig phone when really they need a 32 or 64. Yeah, don't disagree with you. As I said, I I found that even with all the stuff I have on my phones, I could do pretty well with 16 gig. You just have to choose what you put on it. So what do you think of the uh, 9.7 inch iPad Pro? Uh, Yeah. I, I think I, that's pretty. Seems pretty nice to me. I, 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 I have no desire to replace my iPad Air two. I'm very happy with it. Um, but if I was going to buy a new iPad right now, it would be this one. So here's here's where I am. I've got a 128 gig Air two, and I probably will change it because I've noticed uh, probably the last couple of months that uh, I use it a lot. It's probably my main computer, um, and. Really, one of the reasons that I'm talking to you on a, on a much cheaper Apple laptop than I would normally buy is because I came to the conclusion that, you know what, I want to spend money on my iPads because those are the things I use more. Um, my Air 2, the battery is starting to get weak. Um, I've had it since the Air 2 was launched. And, so have uh, I. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Well, I, I use... I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I use mine a lot more than you do. But I've noticed the battery life is not as good. It's not terrible, but it's... It's definitely decreased from what it was when it was new, so I, I probably reckon it's time for me to trade up to a new one, and I think I'll probably will get. Obviously, I think if you've got an Air two now and you're going to buy, buy another iPad, you will probably look very hard at the Pro over the uh, over the Air two. Um, but I, again, I think this is a win win for Apple because for people who want the Pro features, they want the slightly better performance. Though I know, I know there's been a fuss on the internet this week since the people got hold of the thing saying, oh, it's only got two gig of RAM rather than four. Who cares? That does not make any difference. Not any real-world difference. Not not in the iPad. No. Um, but uh, the... Because uh, you, you still can't do true, true multitasking on an iOS device. I mean, you could do split screen and it, and it works, but that that's marginally considered multitasking. Yeah. But I mean, multitasking for me. I've got GarageBand running right now. Yeah, I've got Simple Text or Text Edit, whatever it's called, uh, Skype, Chrome, and I just checked my email. Yeah, I can't do all no. that kind of stuff on an iPad. No, absolutely. The, and, the, uh, and this is I, what scares me, David. What? Apple kept hammering, hammering, hammering. PC replacement, PC replacement. And they were kind of derogatory to PC users during this keynote for the iPad. I didn't like that. It's like, you know what? Um, Maybe there's a reason people haven't upgraded their PC in a long time. And when it comes time to upgrade their PC, why are you insulting them before they even make a decision? I I, 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 I didn't get that. That, It it seemed mean-spirited to me. 
I think I think it was a poorly made comment to mock PC users, particularly yep. as those are people you're notionally trying to up. Right. Um, and, and I think, I, I, I even though they use the word PC, I suspect they were talking about computer users generally. I think you would probably a push, probably not get them to admit this, but I think when they wrote that comment, they were thinking about anybody using a conventional computer, even a Mac. Um, but it was ill, it was was ill conceived because these are the people you're trying to entice with this new product. But of course, that is the reason that they wanted to talk about PC replacement with the Pro is first of all to justify the Pro moniker, and and secondly because they are desperate to get people buying iPads. Yeah. They, they want to see that sales growth starting to go up again. And so they're trying to justify why anybody might want to do it. I tell um, you, it did worry me a little bit as, look, I, I use my iPhone, I use my iPad all the time. But in my heart, I'm more of a Mac user than I am an iOS user. It's just the way I am. It's what I came up with. That's what I am, I'm more comfortable using. And I can get so much more done on an actual computer, laptop or desktop, than I can on an iPad or iPhone. No question. Yeah, even with all the peripherals I could slap on the thing, it, there's just no comparison. There really yeah. isn't. The way Apple was talking made me worry a little bit for the future of the Mac. It really did. And uh, you know, Guy Searle wrote an, an opinion piece at mymac.com this week. Um, I know you've been busy and you probably haven't read it. I would suggest anybody who's interested go to mymac.com. Scroll down a little bit. Uh, it's from Guy Searle. It's iOS desktop. Time for it to happen. Um, I disagree with the premise of his article. Uh, in fact, I, I disagree with most of it. Um, I think it's uh, it, it's easy what he wrote uh, as far as you know. Well, this and this and this, but um, and and I would write actually just the opposite of a lot of what he wrote. But after this Apple keynote, I'm wondering if Apple is kind of lining up with what guy's thoughts are here that after a while especially with this yearly schedule of updating and, and releasing a brand new operating system for their mobile and their desktop platforms which to me is ill-conceived and stupid um may, maybe internally at apple they're starting to think why are we supporting two different operating systems here this is a lot of hard work may, maybe we should start looking at consolidating into this is our this is our computer, and it's going to be the iPad. Well, I, I don't see them. I don't see them going to that when the iPad I didn't for a long. I didn't. Well, yeah. yes. I, 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 I think I think you'd you'd have to have real confidence in the iPad as a product line to make that decision. And a couple of years ago, I think they may have been thinking about it. I think the where where they are at the moment, they definitely are not. I think they are, and that's where they're trying to position the iPad so they can eventually do away with the Mac. Well, you know what? There's probably there probably is something to that in that a lot of people don't feel comfortable using a conventional computer, and they feel a lot more comfortable using a tablet. Not not just because of the form factor, but just because of that that single one. Well, the, the advantage you have with that single focus, you know, app centric model you get with iOS is that it's less complicated. Uh, and the whole business about you know where you just save your data and then something happens in the background so, so it's it's replicated to the cloud um, is something that a lot of people find very very comforting because they don't have to think about it. Yeah, I wish it worked. You know. Well, yeah, that's that's another issue. But we went uh, into that on Three Geeky Ladies quite a bit. By the way, for those who are listening to this show, maybe after you've listened to Three Geeky Ladies or before, you're going to hear the same opinion from me repeated on that show because I, I I'm. I'm very unhappy with some of the things that I heard 
and saw. Um, and, and, and I said on Three Geeky Ladies, David, this was an event that didn't even need to be an event. It really, it was, bo- it, it was boring. If and, it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for trying to juice the iPad sales, I don't think they'd have even had it. I, but here's I, the I thing. Really, I, I, marketing is 100% in charge at Apple. I don't think Tim Cook is, unless he considers himself marketing now. Um, you know, they're talking about their spring lineup. They literally use that term. Mm. Ugh. Ugh. Really? Your spring lineup of watch bands? Yep. Hold on. They're, a big... they're definitely becoming more like the rest of the industry. No, the rest of the industry is not talking about their spring lineup. Uh, like it's well, a you freaking know what? fashion you could, show. You could, frame, you could frame what Apple did this week against what what companies do at things like CES and Mobile World Congress in the in the mobile phone space, it's kind of the same stuff. I think it's I like, think here's the, what's new this year. Yeah, I think uh, Apple is uh, being run by the marketing teams. I completely agree with you. Um, you know, I I do, but and I think the problem is that I suspect that since they lost Katie Cotton at PR, they're not as good at it as they used to be. I'd agree with that. I really would. Um, you know, I don't want to come across as just a bummer. I think I still think Apple's making the best stuff out there. Yeah. But it's really hard as an Apple enthusiast to get very exciting or excited about what's been going on with Apple the last two years. Because I, I still think most people don't give a crap about the Apple Watch. And Apple is trying to make the Apple Watch seem like a big success. Oh, it's quick. It's in one year, it's become the number one selling smartwatch. What? Yeah, well, compared to what? The crappy Android stuff that's out there that people don't even want? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, the, but that that's not that's not a bad thing. No, I just it, think it, that this is a market that's... I think everybody who wanted an Apple Watch already got one. Maybe. They just dropped the price on it. Yeah. Um, well, that'll tell you something right there, too. They've they've not rushed to um, to replace it with a new model. I think this is very much a long play for them. But you know what? They they believe that ultimately wearable computing devices of some description is going to be a huge market. And I agree with them because at the end of the day, you can get people wearing a smartwatch who who might be people who d- who don't really have any other technical devices in their life. It's a it's a gateway. Just like the iPod was a gateway. Now, is it a gateway today? No, because at the moment, if you if you buy an Apple Watch, you need to have an iPod. You need to have an iPhone. Sorry. Um, so it's not a gateway at the moment. But I think this is the Apple Watch is a long play. It's um, it's a diversity play. It's about saying, let's have products other than computers that we sell that are related to our computers and are part of the ecosystem, but they're different. So that, you know, at some point in the future, if any of our product lines tank, we can at least turn to our investors and say, well, we're doing other things. We're not doing that. The car is exactly the same. I think that's kind of a lot that the car is the thing that excites me. All this is all part of that as well. It's about being diverse and about having your fingers in more than one pie. And also, I think internally, it helps keep their engineering and their marketing and everybody 
to, to stop them being myopic on just one product. It basically is the opposite of what BlackBerry did. BlackBerry got so focused um, on just their one product, the cash cow, that they never considered what might happen if that cash cow fell off a cliff until it did. And yeah. what Apple is doing with the watch and all these other things is saying, let's insure ourselves against that by making sure that we have expertise in other markets, other areas. And they're not all going to be as successful as the iPhone. You know, the iPhone, it really is, is showing itself to be a huge anomaly. Apple just, just like they did with the iPod, yeah, they just came into onto something just as it was getting hot and they reinvented it and they pushed it, they pushed a whole market segment out into the open and they've been riding on that ever since. But the iPhone, the, I don't, I, I don't, it would amaze me if they ever had a product that was as successful as the iPhone again. The iPad, uh, I wouldn't be so surprised because they've done it now twice. They did it with the iPod. And we could have said the same thing in 2006 with the iPod. I don't think Apple will ever be able to come up with a product that's going to be as successful. And we had ideas about the iPhone at that time. I mean, I remember talking about the possibility of an iPhone on uh, the MyMac podcast with Chad Perry back in 2006. You know, what what could it be? Uh, it, and our concepts at the time was, you know, it would be an iPod, but with kind of like a, a a di- uh, you know, you could make calls on it. Could you use a spinning wheel? I mean, it'd be kind of like a rotary phone, maybe. I don't know. Um, but we had the idea of the cell phone then. And even when we... Look, I sat in the audience in 2007 and watched Steve Jobs unveil that thing. And... I didn't. I wanted it, but the price point was crazy, and I was going to have to switch carriers. And I was on one carrier, and I didn't really want to go to AT and T, and so I, I didn't get it right away. I, I did eventually get it. <laughs> yeah. A few months. I mean, I just I couldn't resist. But even when the iPhone came out, I don't think most people thought it was going to be as successful as the iPod. Well, I remember what they said. They said they'd be very happy if they sold a million. Yeah. No, 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 no. They they said one percent of the market. Right would be would be huge for them. Right. Yep. And they didn't even have a, an idea of the success that they were going to have. And they were at that point. A lot of people think, "Oh, Apple was beleaguered." No, that was a decade before. Yeah. When when Apple came out with the iPhone, they were not a beleaguered company. They were the number one music maker in the world with the iPod. I mean, think back with or yeah, the iPod. Think back with all the advertising everywhere. Everybody had the white earbuds. I mean, the iPod was just a massive hit and it and know, it totally outsold the Mac. It wasn't even close. But you know what, Tim? The sort of things you've been saying about this event are the sort of things people used to say about iPod events. They used to go, God, oh so so what they've so they've changed the shape of the nano again. Oh, they've bumped the specs. Oh, I can't believe that the mini only has four gig. <laughs> Who who can possibly live with a media player with only four gig? Yeah, it didn't make a difference. It did not make a difference a job because the sort of things that you and I consider. It's like I mentioned before about people getting mad about the iPad Pro twelve point nine inch has four gig of RAM and the the new one the nine point seven inch only has two gig two gig and people are going crazy about it. Oh, you know how can Apple do this and all that? Because nobody buys those devices really gives a damn. And and I think a lot of the things you and I are complaining about the the num the amount of space on the phone and everything, the people who buy these things, you know, the ordinary people who don't follow the tech press and everything, they don't give a damn. They just go, oh, sixteen gig or sixty four. Can I can I afford a little bit more for more space? No, I'll just have less stuff on it. You know, and and they don't care. 
And when they run out of space, they go, oh, well, I'll delete something. My wife had a 16-gig phone for years, absolutely years. And it was only really when she started struggling with her um, iCloud photo space that, that it became an issue to her. Yeah. And, and, and with the way we fixed that was we gave her more iCloud photo space. It wasn't more things on the phone. The problem that I have 64-gig phones, I have 128, two 128-gig iPods, iPhones, uh, iPads, sorry, what am I talking about? And they're stuffed full of stuff that I never look at, yeah? In some respects, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should, next time I come, I will buy a smaller one. Because I put all this crap on there that I never look at. I put uh, apps and games and all this stuff on. I never use any of them. And the way that the uh, iOS file system is organized is half the time I can't even find. I don't even know what I've got. I've lost count of them a number of times. I go to um, buy something I see on the App Store or I see on a, in a kind of a blog or something like that. I go to buy it in the App Store and I already own it. I didn't even know. You know, the thing is, with, <laughs> yeah, I've done that too. Um, read a really good review on like Touch Arcade and go, oh, I want to get that. And, oh, well, I downloaded it already. Oh, that's weird. Um one of the things that we talked about that I brought up on Three Geeky Ladies, and you and I have hit upon this, especially when it came to the services, was that I would be very happy. I'd be the happiest person in the world if Apple had an event, showed off whatever the new thing is, and then said at the end, oh, by the way, we're not going to have another event the rest of the year. We'll have another one a year from now. For this next year, we're just going to be... Um, fixing all the issues that they're having with all of their services and all I their agree. software. Yeah. If they would they, just take a year off from they just a, a new a, iOS and Mac OS. Yeah. Just had a problem this week where they shipped nine, iOS 9.3 and it turns out that um, on I noticed when I saw the mine that it asked for iCloud details again. And I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. I think it only did it on one of my devices. Um, and it turns out that on old devices like iPad 2s, which this thing still runs on, um, when it asks for those details, it, it prompts you with the wrong credentials. You know, it shows you, you know, right. um, you need to log in with your iCloud account, and then it shows the uh, the email address with stars in it. And apparently what it's doing is prompting people with something else. And so they're going, oh, I don't know how to log. And then they feel like they're locked out the, their device. Um, and they, they've had to withdraw 9.3 for those older devices till they fix that. These are the sort of things they need to stop doing. Yep. And I would love it too. I would love it if, if when WWDC comes around, they turn around and say, okay, here's some new laptops um, with Skylake or whatever in. And then they said, uh, and our roadmap for developers for this year is 9.4, 9.5, 9.6 in iOS. Uh, and then... Uh, 10.11.4.5.6 for El Capitan and no big new releases this year. Yep. I, I think that'd be great. And I think, you know what? I think the whole market would embrace that. It, it would allow developers to kind of take a deep breath, case makers for iPhone to be able to take a deep breath and just concentrate on what they've got right now. Um, yeah, but you, you know that... You know that they, no, because, I mean, well, they're, they're not going to do bump, that because... They're going to bump the iPhone in, in September. Yeah. Well, you did... Set. Yeah, but you did notice the the iPhone, the new one that they just released, has a headphone jack. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, so one thing I will say for Apple is that they've made it clearer over the last six months or so because of various things they've done, statements they made to the press. They've even had some uh, guys like... Um, Craig Federighi and Eddie Q on uh, on John Gruber's podcast and stuff like that stuff they've never done before. They they make it clear that they read and hear this stuff and they listen. Uh, and sometimes they actually do 
roll back and change things based on, on what they do. So I can only hope that whatever they were thinking about the headphone jack, they've seen people's reactions and they've rolled back on it. I hope so. Yeah. I, I really do hope so. Because it's it's not something that's broken that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And, and I do know that there are people within Apple that listen to the show. Yeah. Uh, I had people reach out to me back in the MyMac podcast days, and I'm not talking about retail people, um, that were listening. Whether those people can enact changes or not is a different matter entirely. But, uh, you know, they work for the company that we talk about probably more than any other company on this show. Of course they're listening. And, and, and it's one of the reasons that I do reiterate many times, especially when we're criticizing Apple, is it's not out of hatred or something. It's not out. It's, it's, I, I, if anything, it's about our love for these products. I don't love Apple as a company. They're a giant, one of the biggest companies in the world. Of course they're evil. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right in that the priorities of a corporate entity are not directly compatible with the priorities of people. Um, no. And in some ways, they're kind of emergent properties. They arise out of the actions of loads and loads of people. But it's just in the same way, it's like you couldn't ever blame an anthill for being evil, even though it is a community of individuals, but they're, they're all operating to a goal. It's because they operate the way they have to operate to run the anthill. That's right. It, it's it, yeah, I, I don't get mad at Apple because they do stupid things. It's a giant company. I get angry because i am first and foremost a consumer advocate i always have been that's why i started mymac.com or mymac magazine back in 95 to begin with i wanted to let people know what was worth downloading and using on their macs mm-hmm. you know yeah. that's that's what i started it for and i've never changed that opinion that when we're doing a show like this i'm a consumer consumer advocate you know, it, that's that's the thing that's always been the most important to me. Yeah. No, and, and I don't like it true. when I see a company doing something that I think is screwing over the consumers. And I do think a 16-gig iPhone in 2016 is screwing over customers because it's not going to cost Apple marginally any difference to start at 32 rather than 16. You wouldn't see one iota of difference on the bottom line that you could measure, especially with the amount of money that Apple makes. Well, again, I mean, I know it's not to not to beat this to death, but I think you would because I think it would drive less people to to buy the more expensive sixty four gig phones. It so wouldn't it, it have would to be expensive. It wouldn't because no, they, I'm they not could... talking about the expense of the thirty two gig versus a sixteen. But if I know if forty percent of the people who go into the Apple store today thinking they're going to buy a sixteen gig phone ends up into buying a sixty four right. gig. Yeah, then that's that's more profitable than it is from people going in thinking they're going to buy a 32 gig phone that's available at the bottom price and leaving with that. That's 40 percent of people you upsell who you can't upsell anymore. So, yes, it will make a difference to the bottom line. It won't make a difference to the co- I'm not talking the difference in the cost of the base phone in terms of the margin. I rate. see where you're coming you're right, from. I get it. On, the margin you make on the base base phone would not you're right it's probably it would be a trivial difference but if you lose that 40 percent of people upselling then that does make a difference to the bottom line yeah i don't know i it, to me that smells a little too much like bait and switch um i i just don't like to see people kind of getting screwed over it, yeah. it, it's always bothered me it's why i'm a huge advocate for our reviewers at my mac if yeah. if they have a bad experience with a piece of software or hardware and they write a negative review, 
if the company comes back on me and they want to argue, they can argue to the blue in the face, but I'm not changing that review. Oh, that's fine. And I don't think Apple would ever expect you to do something like that in this circumstance. But you know what Apple's big metric is? You know, we're talking about customer satisfaction. Customer sat. And, they, you know, they are one thing they are very good at is measuring customer satisfaction. And I'm sure that if there was a huge negative customer satisfaction from 16 phones, they would do something about it. But I, I suspect the problem is is most people who buy the 16 gig phones just live with it. And, uh, you know, yes, could things be better for them than 32 gig? Absolutely. But uh, I, I suggest either, either enough people don't buy I mean, it'd be fascinating to see the, uh, the, the detailed breakdown of the sales figures. But either enough people actually upgrade to, from just don't buy the 16 gig phones that that it's not there's not a, a valuable enough thing to change or alternatively maybe people buy the 16 gig phones and just don't mind let's uh either way we don't know yeah <laughs> let's uh switch gears uh we do get some feedback and a couple other things we want to talk about i do want to start here with uh andy grove uh longtime ceo chairman of the board of intel passed away this last week um 1936 to 2016. This was for those who are doesn't don't follow the industry as closely as like David and I would. You may not recognize the name. He was a Steve Jobs like character. This guy wrote books. This guy was uh, a rock star in the tech industry. Um, his influence directly changed technology. This was a pioneer a Mount Rushmore type of person, David. Yeah, absolutely. This, I mean, you talk about influencing the world. I mean, Intel is one of the most influential um, semiconductor manufacturers in the world. Uh, the most influential. And and there's a very good argument to make that um, without Intel being formed, then we wouldn't have had the computer revolution we've had. You know, oh, they, I, you know, I totally agree with that. And they weren't the only game in town in Silicon Valley in the 70s. There were many, many other companies, but they all fell by the wayside. Um, and Intel is the one that, with the partnership they, they created with Microsoft for the PC, yeah, it really has transformed our industry. Uh, and um, Andy Grove was, you know, a central mover in that. He was so influential that um, I, I see. I see on his Wikipedia page that when Steve Jobs was considering coming back to be CEO of Apple, he actually um, called him for advice. Yeah. So I mean, you know, if 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 somebody, if Steve Jobs, who basically thought he knew everything, calls somebody up for advice, and that's that's good people, you know. This guy was. Uh, it wasn't just the. Te- I mean, he was a huge, huge in uh, philanthropy. I mean, he gave away millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's sad that someone like him passes, in my opinion, and it doesn't really generate a whole lot of coverage. And, and I thought, you know, I, I at least want to talk about the guy a little bit on TechFan because this was this is look. Somebody else died this week that really bummed me out uh, from a personal standpoint because I really like this guy, um, Gary Shandling. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. Uh, he was one of my favorites. Um, the Larry Sanders show is within my top ten. I've always loved that show. And so I was really bummed out that he died. But Andy Grove is just so unknown to most people. And 
he had a direct impact on so many lives that for that not to be the the picture on the front page of CNN or or the BBC or whatever for an entire day was it, it bummed me out. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I, I look the, the news industry today is a very different animal from what it used to be. I mean, if it had been Kim Kardashian who passed away, that's all you'd hear about on the news. Oh, well, yeah, but that's what I mean. I I think the... uh, That's a society, though. The news, the the media in in the world now, um, it has different priorities than bringing to public attention people who perhaps um, aren't as familiar. That's not the news. That's that's not the media. That's the public. The public doesn't care about Andy Grove. Well, no, the, the problem with the problem with that thing is is that I've always viewed that part of the media's job is to educate people about things they don't know about but they should know about. Yeah, that is that is an opportunity that the platform that being in the media gives you is to actually make you know a bigger story of a thing that perhaps people should, should know be about. interested. I in agree. T- I, I agree. You're right, 100. percent But yeah, but unfortunately, don't. we're not Nowadays, in that world. We're in a page. We're in a, yep. a clickbait page page click media where actually all you need to do is is it's it's been that way since the 80s though you know um and and in a week when there's been terrorism as well for the for, for this to yeah, get any horrible sort of focus is 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 not going to happen no uh, on good news i'm exactly two hours away from right now as we record this two hours away from being in a theater with Cole and Brooke watching Batman versus Superman. <laughs> now, have you uh, have you seen any of the uh, early early buzz? Uh, I've heard both. I, I've seen headlines that critics are like at thirty six percent favorable, which mm-hmm. I don't give a crap about. Uh, no. But the public is at like seventy six percent for the people who went early. Um, I know Cole and Brooke are going to love it. They love superhero stuff. Um, yeah. Obviously, you and I love superhero stuff. I've got a really good feeling about this movie. I think it's going to be darker than the Marvel stuff. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's Batman. It's fighting Superman, and it's got Wonder Woman in it. And I know Aquaman shows up at some point or something, and maybe the Flash. And I know it's got Doomsday and Lex Luthor, and it's the beginning of the Justice League. It's just going to be a fun movie. I, I, yeah. That's how I'm going in to see it. I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. And you know, I, I, it's, to me, I don't take it as serious as I would a new Star Wars movie because no. that's different for me. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of, I've watched a ton of the kind of the, yeah, you know, the Justice League um, cartoon you know, the, stuff. The cartoons, oh, it's so the, good. Yeah, well, they are good, but the thing is, is that they have massive plot holes in them, and they have um, lots of times you watch them and think, well, why has this character done that? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and and these are the sort of comments I've heard from some people who've criticized this movie and i'm thinking well okay so that sets my expectations this is a comic book comic book movie you know it's and a I'm comic fine with that. superhero movie i think it's oh, i'm absolutely fine as well i think i suspect that's a deliberate choice that uh, snyder has made which is to is to try and you know snyder is good with comic books uh, yeah he doesn't get a lot of credit i think the watchman was a brilliant movie was yeah. it as good as a comic book no of course not it, it couldn't be but for what it was, number one, it was way ahead of its time. Way it, that movie came out way too early. That they should have released that movie in like 2020. Yeah. Um. So more people understood these 
traditional conventions of the superhero genre that this movie was poking holes in and kind of taking to the extreme. You didn't have that context for the average moviegoer when that movie came out in, what, 2005 or whatever it was? Yeah. Um, but it's a brilliant movie for people like you and I. We watch it and go, oh, my God, that was great. Well, he took something that was pretty much accepted in the industry as being unfilmable. And, and, he, and he made a great movie out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and every role was almost perfect. Yeah. Um, with with the exception of the bad guy. Mm, I, <laughs> I didn't bite him. I didn't buy him being the super smart guy as I did in the book. But anyways, um, so I have a lot of confidence in that director. Uh, I like, I've always liked Ben Affleck. I know a lot of people were down on him during the whole Ben-Nagate or Ben-Benifer thing. Um. I always thought he was a great actor, uh, much better than most people wanted to give him credit for. I think he took some roles that were pretty bad, and I don't care how good of an actor you are, you're you're not going to be able to fix that. Um, yeah. And Daredevil was just wasn't good. Well, you know what, Daredevil at the time I thought was okay. It's not aged well. No. Um, and and I, I think no, it's you know, aged even worse after you watch Daredevil on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the problem. Is that it, it was it was. You know, it very it was very much lacking in surrounding context, and I, yeah. I think one thing that these you know these superhero movies do. I mean, you look at all the ones that are completely standalone, yeah, and they've all sucked. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Green Lantern sucked. You know, any any of the standard things where they say, okay, well, here's a famous comic book character, and we're going to show you how he gets created, and then we're going to show him doing his thing, and then we're going to introduce. A well, I don't know. I think the man. Of, I think Man of Steel. Which is obviously when they made Man of Steel, they didn't make that with the intention of this is going to be the beginning of the DC universe. Um, yeah, but it was Man of Steel came out after the uh, the Marvel Marvel, yeah. the Marvel universe had hit its stride, yeah. and they learned a lot of things from that. I think, I think you know, you, you kind of can give Man, uh, Man of Steel a pass on that basis. I think the problem is when they've just tried to do it standalone in the past. Yeah, they haven't um, worked. They haven't worked as well. You know, they're probably the only one that ever really sort of stood on its own on that score was the was the uh, you know tim burton batman series and they those got worse and worse as they went what went on i would say the dark knight was even better and it was standalone yeah yeah i i, I suppose but but i guess although the third one was horrible yeah <laughs> i love yeah I was really disappointed with it. The, th the third one had a lot of the problems that people criticize a lot of these other movies for you know uh Massive plot holes. I expect um, you to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad villains. It's it just horrible. I, I, but I the, the but the middle one was oh my god, so good. That was. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Suicide Squad because I want to see Jared Leto's Joker. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to have to be spectacular, though. I mean, well, let's let's move off of that. We do have some feedback that we need to get to before we wrap up the show. I know we didn't take a break. We kind of went straight through. Uh, usually, as part of the Stoplight Network, we do like to do a shout out to another podcast in the network. But we did that with the with did, me yeah. promoting uh, Three Geeky Ladies. So yeah. uh, we've got uh, the first one from Rob Rate, and uh, he posted it on our Facebook page. David, do you want to read did. that? He he was coming back on us about our uh, our discussion last week about web advertising. So he said, "Great discussion about advertising. I agree with everything said." I have been ad-blocking since Adblock first appeared, as I was then on an expensive and slow 14.4 kilobyte uh, per second dial-up plan. 
every minute of connectivity cost me money. Yeah, remember those days. I do, unfortunately. Yeah. These days I'm on uncapped broadband at home, but I still block as, first of all, I've got used to an ad-free environment, smile, but mainly as a result of the intrusive pop-up and stay-in-front ads that block access to the content I want to read. Recently, a few big sites are doing blocker detection and denying access until you whitelist the site. I never liked Wired anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Ad blockers are the consumer's only tool that can tell the ad industries to stop extracting the urine from us and start serving acceptable, unobtrusive, unscripted and untracked ads. I almost never use my mobile phone for data access, as on my pay-as-you-go plan, I pay one pence per megabyte data access. And just accessing a site that uses scripted ads and also play videos on my phone hits me in my pocket so effectively, I am paying for content. I don't block everything. There are a small number of sites I've worked listed in Adblock, but I do run Privacy Badger and to attempt to minimize tracking. Uh, Rob, really appreciate that feedback. Um, yeah. it's, it's good to hear different perspectives, too, even though he agrees with what we were talking about. But, but here's the thing. He, 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 you know, I mean, he, his situation completely underlines the point that, that we were trying to make is that the advertisers do this because they assume it's not costing anybody anything. Yeah, and it absolutely fact, is. It actually is. Yeah. For a lot of people, it absolutely is. I, I was so pissed off. At, you know, we just had this big discussion on the last show about ads online. Um, I'm, I There's a couple websites that I go to to get information about my Detroit Lions, for instance. Mm-hmm. Two of the sites are running the exact same ad right now where this thing comes from the left-hand side, completely blocks everything. And to find the little tiny X to close the ad, even on a 27-inch monitor, is difficult. And yeah. it keeps moving. They're getting more sophisticated. They're, they're moving the close button now. It's not just in the upper right-hand corner. And I, I'm so ticked off. And I actually wrote to uh, one of the sites. I said, if this ad is here the next time I come to your site, I'm not coming to your site anymore. And I'm serious about it, too. I, yeah. You know, you, you can't keep punching me in the face and expecting me to come back. I'm not... You know, it just really Definitely. takes me off. You've got right to pay to vote with your feet. Um, yeah. You know what? More of us should do that. More yeah. of us should. If we make the decision not to go to a site because of ads, we should write to them and tell them yep. rather than just not go. Yeah. Let them know. This is yeah. why I'm not coming to your site anymore. Or this is why I'm going to stop coming to your site if you keep running these type of ads. That I, To me, it's so insulting for these publications to block the content of their own. Do you have such l- little regard for your own content for the for the hard work that the people you pay to make this content that's worth putting an ad on do you have such little regard for that content that you're going to completely obliterate obliterate it not even make it accessible to view until someone watches a stupid video well the or problem they, with that is is they're just they're making an inherent implicit assumption there they're in, they're assuming that anybody who blocks ads is a freeloader and that perhaps they're, they're not giving them the benefit of the doubt that perhaps they have, uh, you know, these very, as we stated, these very, you know, considered and, and ethical and moral views on, on how the ad model works. They're just assuming, oh, if you're an ad blocker, you just, want, you, just, you just want to steal the content. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about how they feel about the people that work for them. Yeah. That they're completely blocking their contra- content, destroying it. To show an ad, yeah, but the problem—the problem with the the boundary between editorial You're and right. advertising on a publication means that you can't make that distinction <clears throat> because you know they, it's unfortunate. They, the writers have never have, have never had any say in no. how the stuff is presented. Go ahead and read the next one from Donna Yankelo, contributor at My Mac. He's been on 
uh, tech fan a couple times. Yeah, I saw this about this as well. I wasn't happy about this either. He said, um, it appears as if Disney has stopped supporting the Disney Infinity version of Apple TV. The recent Marvel Battlegrounds set and figures and the new Baloo figure are not supporting. There's been an uproar in the Disney Infinity forums. According to the moderator post here, and he's got a link, um, it looks as if it's done. For someone who owns the Apple TV version, version, this is extremely frustrating. It was sold as the full Disney Infinity experience and they might have already stopped supporting it after less than six months. If this is the case, and I hope it's not, I do not understand why Apple would still be selling it in the Apple Store. If you search the forum, you'll see more on the topic and see the frustration. It is possible they're waiting for the Apple TV to receive an update that is coming, but it would be nice for some official word. Yeah, well, this goes to conversations we've had in the past about developers not letting their customers know what's going on after you pay for an app. Now, I do believe the Disney Affinity app is free on the Apple TV, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but to use it, you've got to have the base... You've got to have the... Um, yeah, you've got to buy stuff to use you've with You've got to it. buy stuff. And, and it was very much marketed... As the uh, full as experience, the most recent yeah. Skylanders thing is, you know, it's equivalent to having the console version. Yep. Um, and then, so if you then invested it, and then all of a sudden you find the device is not supported anymore, that's not that's not good. No, absolutely not. Uh, Donnie, thanks very much for uh, writing in and letting us know about that. Um, I still don't have the new Apple TV. I, 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 I do want one. Um, I'm just, I don't know what I'm waiting for, David. I just, well, right now I know what I'm waiting for, but, um, I'll get one eventually. It's probably the only Apple product out that's out there right now, other than upgrading my Mac eventually that I actually want. It's, uh, it's kind of a cool looking, I, I like the, <sighs> this is where, what it's come to in my living room. I have the third generation Apple TV, but I also have the Kindle. Uh, or not the Kindle, the uh, Fire TV. I've been going to the Fire TV and using that more than I am the Apple TV. It it comes on quicker. It's easier to browse. Um, I like the remote's better than the one that comes with the Apple TV. Yeah, uh, it, it's just a better experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar position. I mean, we've become to be very dependent on uh, on Amazon Prime streaming. Yeah. And the Apple uh, TV is clunky. Well, not only that, but Amazon have said they're not going to do um, Prime a Prime app for the Apple TV. Yep. So, you know, I, without without that, I really am stuck in a position where I'm going to have to stick with Amazon's ecosystem because that's what I use. I'm not a Netflix subscriber. So, um, for the moment, that that kind of influences things. And unfortunately, the app ecosystem on the Apple TV is, you know, it's just not it's not growing. It's no. not becoming compelling. So it doesn't really drive me to buy one for that reason either. <sighs> oh, well. What are you going to do? <laughs> there, we, we, we have choice. That's the nice thing. And when exactly. it comes to boxes that you connect to your TV, we have an abundance of riches. And right now, for me anyways, I use my DVR, which I hate. Uh, it's the Infinity Comcast one. I hate it is a piece of junk but it's the best that i can get from them and you know the the fire tv and i i kind of like it to be honest it's it's pretty good so at least we have that option so so with that david we're going to wrap up this episode of tech fan we'd really love it if people um 
send us in your thoughts. You know, are, are, am I way off base with the 16 gig iPhone? Is David right? Am I right? I mean, we're both kind of, we both agree that it's not enough, but David's of the opinion of it doesn't matter. I'm of the opinion of it does matter. Let us know what you think. Let me know that David's wrong. Or I mean, um, (laughs) (laughs) what you think. uh, Support me and destroy Tim Robertson. Send us an email, theshow at techfanpodcast.com. Or, like Rob Rate, he could left a message for us on the uh, Facebook page. We'll read it there. We'll put them in the show notes and read them here on the show. Uh, Or on Twitter. Of course, you're kind of limited on Twitter, unless we follow each other. Because you can, I don't know if a lot of people know this yet, David. You can direct message people now on Twitter that are following you and you're following them, and you're not capped with how many characters you can use. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. See? You'll learn something here on TechFan248. We're almost at 250 at this point. I know. It just seems like yesterday we were doing 247. I know. Just yesterday. <laughs> so, once again, uh, I was on Three Geeky Ladies. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. I'll make sure I'll post a link there so you can... Uh, Listen to me talking to three ladies who are much smarter than I am. It was great to talk to them. Uh, we got, you know, it's been a while since we've had. Well, I guess it hasn't been that long. We should get somebody else on the show every now and then. Still, yeah, you know, it'd be fun. Yeah, I think um, uh, come next January, Barack Obama's not going to have anything on this plate. Yeah, maybe we'll, Tech Fan Two Point will start yeah. over. He'll be our third co-host. Uh, sounds good to me. He can yeah. talk about about what it's like to be stuck in the hell of being a BlackBerry user for the last eight years. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I, I the, here's the problem with Barack Obama coming. His voice is so much nicer than ours. It's true. He he, he he's make got it that. Sound stupid. He would. He's almost. Yeah. He's got that very silky smooth voice that's just like ooh. Ooh. So so maybe we should get <laughs> Pee Wee Herman on to promote his movie. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I watched that movie with my kids. They yeah. enjoyed it. Oh my god, it was so bad. Yeah, it was so I've, bad. I've never understood the appeal of that character. I just don't get it. I got it back in the eighties, but I don't get it. He, uh, dude, Paul Rubin hasn't aged a, a day. It's kind I know, of it's creepy. Like he sleeps in a box, isn't it? Wow, it's really weird. Here's the thing: Brooke came up to me afterwards. She didn't say anything in front of Cole, yeah. but she came up to me after this movie, and she goes. So did Pee Wee Herman like 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 that guy? Because the whole concept of this movie is Pee Wee Herman's never left this town, even though in other movies he has. But okay, whatever. Yeah, um, he's never left this town. Um, this actor shows up who's very good looking. He's got kind of the shaved but unshaved look to him, you know, stubble. Yeah, he's very muscular. He's riding a, a motorcycle. He's cool, and he walks into this restaurant that Pee Wee Herman's in. And it's like the slow motion walk in and and Pee Wee Herman's look at him. He's like, oh, my God. And they have all these things in common. And and he he wants Pee Wee Herman to come to New York to his birthday party. And so that's what the movie is about, Pee Wee Herman getting to New York. And he keeps having these fantasies or dreams as he's getting there. And my daughter, Brooke, 12, is like, did he like like that guy? (laughs) And I'm like... You know, I was kind of wondering about that myself, Brooke. I said, and I asked her opinion. I said, would that make a difference to you? And she says, no, I was just kind of curious because they didn't say anything about it, but it it seemed kind of like they put that in there and I couldn't figure out why. 
See, see, here's a, here's a, it's this 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 is a weird thing because obviously, um, you know, <laughs> that Pee Wee Herman as a character is because it's very strange. Yeah, it can be very um, ambiguous, disconcerting, and I think I think for a character like that, it's probably best to keep it fairly asexual. Because yeah, I would agree. Otherwise, otherwise people can very easily link, particularly if you're if you have any sort of um, negative connotations towards a particular orientation. It's very it's very easy, and we hear this all the time. It's very easy to. Um, I mean, the Russians are famous for this. They they think that they they as far as they're concerned, homosexuality and and perversion are the same word. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, and I think it's it's always worries me when they kind of go that route with a weird character because then it kind of says oh you know well gay people are weird or weird people are gay um and and i i feel uncomfortable with that because to me it's pushing towards stereotype yeah and so we've we've seen those sort of very negative stage of stereotypes in in film and tv you know in less enlightened times especially in in nowadays where it's so much more accepted thankfully (coughs) excuse me um but as much as it's accepted in, in, in our society nowadays, which makes me happy, what doesn't make me happy is when people rally against it. Yeah. And they still are in, in, in many places, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'm all about inclusion myself. Now, I don't think any group of people should get special treatment or better no. treatment. I think everyone should get the same amount of treatment. I don't care what the situation is, you know? But they still don't promote or really talk about that on children's shows. Yeah. Uh, and, and it could be that, you know, the, uh, the thinking behind perhaps going with this route with, with this character in this movie is, well, you know, it's, 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 it's now something that shouldn't be remarked upon. You know, uh, a guy can like a guy or like a girl or whatever. And it, it shouldn't make any difference in terms of, I think they left uh, it ambiguous. So if, you know, someone that's younger is having, um, or, or that's watching the show is gay. They can see that. Oh, look, he's like that. That he's mm-hmm. that. That's how I would feel if that guy walked in. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, but if I you're not actually, and you don't feel that way, you may not even pick up on those things, those yeah, undertones. But the problem, of course, is that as I say, you still have this connotation. This is a weird character who's. Yeah, I that, I get you, that. And and you're yeah. and you're talking about a, a, an actor playing it who has been convicted of of a you know a a sexual offense yeah. and i'm not saying that that you know that should play into it but you'd have thought he would at least be sensitive to that and perhaps feel like he's playing into the hands of people who are, are negative towards um you know homosexuality I, to me it just feels like perhaps it might be better not to go there really but maybe that's wrong maybe i'm mistaken well i it was a horrible movie yeah. <laughs> not not because of that either. Yeah. It was just a horrible movie. I, I mean, I will say this though: there was a couple times that I actually laughed. I was like, huh. But other than that, it, the acting was just so bad. It felt like it was made in the eighties and it was just released. That's how bad it felt. And that and it doesn't help when he looks exactly like he did in the eighties. I don't know how he does that. Whatever whatever creams that he puts on his face or whatever to make wow I need some of that stuff because it yeah. it absolutely works because holy crap he looked exactly the same good for him mm, well yeah at least he's uh, at least he's come back and but here's the thing it wasn't designed for us 
because yeah. both my kids liked the movie a lot. They were like, that was great. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the superhero movies like Batman Superman, which I'm less than two hours away from now, um, that is made for you and I, and it's also made for our kids. Yeah. At least I hope so, because I haven't seen it yet, and I'm taking two kids to it. <laughs> it is PG-13, and I am taking an eight-year-old, so we'll see. Yeah. All right, all right, David. Well, let's at least, wrap this at least up. With Deadpool, you kind of knew what you meant. Oh yeah, there was no way they were going to go see Deadpool. No. Yeah. All right, man. And, and you know what? That's that's really tough on my kid because my 13-year-old, he he loved all the marketing for Deadpool, and I'm sure he would really, really enjoy the Deadpool movie. But it's just too not cool. if he's sensitive about. And there's a very hot sex scene in that movie too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wow. So, all right, let's wrap this up. I'll see you next week. <laughs>